Okay, so um, we're going to keep going with this series we've been doing um, called Revolutionary Resting. Hey, Will, could you guys put up the lights a little bit? Maybe just like the dimmer lights? The, like the, the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, so, sorry to be a pain, Pete. Can you just layer them as well? I'm getting blinded. <laughs> it's really bright. Um, cool. So we're going to keep going through this. Um, we've got another couple of messages in, in this series talking about rest. Um, and I just want to start today with a question. It's actually a question that um, a guy I've been reading a fair bit, Dallas Willard, he's written lots on just like spiritual formation and, and growing to be more like Jesus. And um, he had a men- mentee, a guy that he was kind of discipling. And one day he asked him a question. And this was the question. If you had one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? One word to describe Jesus. And he asked this question and he kind of just let it sit there for a while. And I don't know what you would say. Maybe you'd say love or Lord or God, or like we sung then, that Jesus is worthy. Um, But he picked a word that's probably not really a word that you would normally think of, but is really interesting. This was his word. Jesus is, oh no, it's not going to (laughs) work. Relaxed. It's an interesting picture, hey, that Jesus is and was relaxed. It's a bit strange though. We don't really sing that in worship songs. Like, you're so relaxed. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it doesn't really fit. But, but it's an interesting picture. I don't know if you picture Jesus as being someone who was relaxed. Or do you picture him as someone who's hurried and, and racing and, and sort of anxious? Or do you think of him as someone actually, maybe not laid back, but, but re- relaxed? Not in a rush, not in a hurry, um, not just, just feeling pressure, but actually relaxed. It's interesting, this guy, I've been reading his book. He's got a book called An Unhurried Life, and he talks a lot about Jesus not being hurried. He gives some examples. He says this, after waiting 30 years to begin his ministry. So Jesus didn't start his public ministry till he was 30. And he started it. His first act was to follow the Spirit for 40 days into the wilderness. So he doesn't start young. He waits until he's 30. And then there's this, this announcement that he's, he's come. And then he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. There's like all these people that he could be helping. There's all this stuff to do. But Jesus goes into the wilderness. Then there's other things. His own brother's urged him to do some publicity if he wanted to be a public figure, but Jesus didn't bite. There's this story of Jesus' brothers saying, like, you should go to this festival and you should do some big thing and announce who you are. And Jesus says, no, my time's not yet come. He's not in a rush. Um, He seemed frustratingly unhurried on his way to heal the synagogue official's daughter. There's this story. This guy comes, his daughter's dying, and Jesus is coming to heal him. And Jesus gets interrupted, and he's just taking his time, and the girl dies. And it doesn't bother Jesus. She just, he just goes and raises her from the dead. And again, another, another story when he, get, he gets, hears about his friend Lazarus, um, his, his sick friend Lazarus, who died during Jesus' two-day delay. And Jesus just took his time getting there. His sense of timing often puzzled those around him. There's even this story, um, you might have heard it, where, where Jesus and his, his disciples, they actually go to get away from the crowds and they go in a boat. And on the boat, there's this storm. It's in Mark 4. It's a furious squall. When I read that this week, I was like, what's a squall? <laughs> I thought that was a spelling mistake. <laughs> like, like it's meant to say storm, but squall is a thing. It's like a storm thing. So you can look it up. <laughs> but I'm just going to say storm. And waves broke over the boat. So nearly storms. So these are like fishermen on a boat with Jesus, and there's this like crazy storm, and they're freaking out. But Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Like that's pretty relaxed. 
Like these are fishermen who I think they're going to die and Jesus is just taking a nap. So they like wake him up. They said, don't you care if we drown? Like they're freaking out. They're in a rush. They're, 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 they're overwhelmed. And Jesus is just asleep. He's just at rest. And it's such an interesting thing to maybe even just read through some of the Gospels and just think of actually Jesus was not hurried. Jesus was not anxious. He was not rushed. He was actually relaxed. Actually just went at the pace that God was working. And actually, in a lot of ways, God, when you look through the Bible, God, and we even sang it before, God is patient. Actually, often God does things quite slowly. We kind of want it done now. But God just takes his time, and he's faithful, and he's patient, and it happens, but it's in his timing. There's, there's no rush. But that's not really like how we normally live. <laughs> and often, even if we, if we were to be described as relaxed, I, I don't know, I was just like, we like the idea of being laid back, but if we kind of been told to be relaxed, like we're someone who goes slow and doesn't hurry, takes their time, like that doesn't really, it kind of sounds cool, but it's also kind of like, what are you doing with your life? Like, like it should, you should be busy. Like, if we ask people how they're going, we're busy. Like, and if you're not really busy, it's like there's something wrong. Like, if, like if someone says, how are you going? You're busy. You're like, no, nah. <laughs> I'm not busy. It's like, that's strange. Like, and it's good. But often, often the, the pressure is just to do lots of stuff. We live more like this. Like, work hard. We're busy. There's stuff to do. There's jobs to get done. There's always work, more work. And then if you get time off, don't waste it. Like, you've got to do something with it. If you've got holidays, you've got to travel. If you've got a day off, you've got to pack in as much entertainment or as much fun or as much cool stuff as you possibly can. Like, don't waste the time. We, our culture kind of pushes the things to the extreme of, of work, and we work hard, then, then play and play hard. And there's some, there's some good in that. It's not that that's all wrong, but it's often not very relaxed. <laughs> It's often hurried. Even our leisure time can be hurried. It's like we've got to pack it in. We've got to make sure we make the most of it. And then you get to the end and you're actually really tired, actually not rested at all. As on top of that, we have all this technology now. And you think about it kind of leading into the last few decades and, and like internet and cell phones and um, cell phones? Mobile phones. <laughs> I mean, listen to too many American speakers. <laughs> and, and we've got all this technology now. And the, the thought was, it makes sense, like if you have technology that makes things faster, we should have more free time. We should have more time just to relax, more time just to rest, because it doesn't take as long to send a letter or write an email. Like we have email now, we don't have to send a letter. Like so many things are just quicker than they used to be. You don't have to go down and talk to someone in the office, you can just call them. But instead of that, instead of it being like, okay, we can do these things faster so we can do less and we can rest, because we can do things faster, we just do more. We just pack it in. And, and it's, it's uh, probably a lot of it comes from just, just um, some of the ways that some of these things are designed to be addictive, um, some social media and so forth. Just It pulls us in to do more and more and more. Or it's also just work. If we can do more work, then we can make more money. So let's just do more rather than, no, that's enough and let's just relax. So, so work now can just be constant. Um, and, and then as well, entertainment can be constant. There's just no non-stop. It can just be 24-7 all the time. So to actually live a life that's relaxed, that's not hurried, that's just restful, is actually really, really countercultural and difficult. And, and what we're talking about tonight is this idea that in a non-stop, fast-paced world that we live in, we need practices. So things that we can do, activities to help us to stop and rest 
so we can live at an unhurried pace like Jesus. Jesus is our model that we follow, and he was relaxed, he was not hurried, and actually we are to live like him. We've been talking about rest. Um, Last week, Janelle shared about experiencing God's rest. What we're talking about tonight is this idea that we need practices. We need to practice rest. We need things that we can do to help us stay in this place of rest. Because the natural pull, like if you just wake up in the morning, the natural sort of the way the stream's going is not going to be to rest. (laughs) It's going to be to work and distraction, achievement, consumption. It's just going to be a continuous cycle. That's kind of just like get up, turn on social media, turn on the news, and you just sucked in and that's it. Like that's going to be the natural progression. So what we need is things that we can do that actually like stem the tide and actually mean that we can stay in a place of rest, not be hurried, actually rely and trust and walk the way of Jesus, not the way of the culture. So that's the idea of of practices. So the things that we do, don't do them just to do them. It's not like lifting weights. It's like lifting weights. You go to lift weights to get strong, not because the weights need lifting. And so the practices are not just to do practices. It's to shape us and form us by intentionally, not just the way that whatever we're around. So what we're going to do is look at a couple of these. So firstly, let's just look at Jesus' life. There's a few verses. So that's, this is the first verse in that story before. And it's interesting that it says, leaving the crowd behind. So Jesus was going on this boat with his followers. And to, get, to do that, they left a crowd of people. So crowds of people demanding and wanting Jesus' attention. And he just let them go. He said, no, nah, we're getting on the boat. We're going this way. And this happens multiple times. As well, Jesus would get time by himself. It says very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, so by himself, where he prayed. So Jesus had intentional practices because he was around crowds all the time. People sick and needy, people needing to hear about him, people wanting his attention, people, there's, there's desperate needs everywhere. But he didn't just go with the tide of like nonstop work that he could have done. He actually went to intentional practices, and this is one, needing time alone with his father. And the only time alone was very early in the morning when it's still dark, when everyone else is still asleep. He would get up, he would go by himself somewhere out, mountain or something like that, and pray. That, that he would do that to actually stay connected to the father and actually not just sort of sucked in to the tide. There's another one in Mark 6. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So again, there's all these people, all these needs, all these opportunities, but no, we need to go and get some rest. We need to come away. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So, so this is again... There's all this stuff going on, but Jesus intentionally decided, no, we need a break, we need to stop, we need to rest. Here's another one. The news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's Luke. Again, same same thing. You see this again and again and again. All these people, all this opportunity, but Jesus would intentionally spend time with his Father. John Olberg said, we seem to spend most of our time trying to draw crowds and please crowds. Jesus seemed to spend much of his getting away from them. Jesus Jesus was trying to get away from the crowd. Whereas we often just want the crowd. Like imagine that. Like there's all these people. There's all this opportunity. And Jesus just says, no, uh, this is my job over here. I'm not going to listen to them. it's, It's amazing. So the first practice tonight is this. Like Jesus 
lived relaxed, unhurried. One practice, one thing that we can actually do, so practice means actually something that we do and form a habit of it, is actually spending time alone with our Father, like, like Jesus did. Actually, in, in our day, um, ideally every day, there being some time where, where we're not just on autopilot getting sucked into the busyness and the hurry, but we actually say we stop and we go away by ourselves to a place where we can just be with God, our Father. We can actually rest with Him actually connect to him, actually remember who he is. So like Jesus, this could look like what he did. It could be, and, and ideally, would be somewhere alone, that, that spending time with God together and church and, say, like home group um, with friends is really good, but we need time with him when it's just you and him. It's, it's solitude. Um, it's, it's just you and God, your heart open to him. Um, ideally, it's a quiet place. Somewhere where there's not distractions. Maybe it means you turn your phone off for a while or, or you just sort of go out. And it, maybe in nature, it doesn't have to be, but, but often, at least I find it's, it's great. If I'm outside by myself and, and it's quiet and I can just be with God, there's, there's an ability to just spend time with Him that's, that's uninterrupted, that's just um, you're able to focus, um, you're able to just talk with Him. So, so this, is, this is a practice that we can do, and, and lots of, lots of um, us already, already do this. And I guess tonight's a reminder to, to, that this is a really valuable thing um, to guard and to develop. And maybe if you've never done that, if you've never thought, I've never just gone away by myself to spend time with God, maybe tonight's an opportunity. Actually, maybe that's a good practice to, to, to adopt. Um, so what, what could that look like? How could you do that? There's this guy, Peter Scazzaro, who, who wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in it, he gave four just ideas what this could look like. And, and firstly, he says it looks like stopping. So, it do, so this is not really this kind of rushing, okay, I'll just get the Bible out and I'll just read two verses. Okay, done, good, on to the next thing. Like, like it actually has to be, okay, I'm going to stop. And, and maybe it's only for five minutes, but it's still an intentional just time to just stop, stop the pull and actually go the other, other, the other direction of just trust and rest in him. It looks like centering where this is centering is the idea of maybe sitting, um, being still, being just aware of your breath, and just trying to slow down. And sometimes just doing that, just stopping, centering, just focusing on breathing, can actually just, even just that for a few minutes, can start to lower anxiety, can start to be like, oh, that's right, God <laughs> is here. Like, he, he's in charge. And actually just, just doing that can bring us back to a place. He also mentioned silence. Again, this doesn't have to be talking. You know, I, I think talking is, is good and just having a conversation with your father is really good. But silence can be good as well, just sitting in God's presence. Maybe sitting and looking at creation. Uh, maybe just walking slowly. Um, and scripture. So maybe even just meditating on a verse or a psalm or just reading a little bit and letting God speak through that. So that's just a few ideas. There's heaps of stuff out there for ideas and, and ways to spend time um, with, with God. Um, but that's a really good practice that actually just you can stop, um, rest, and actually just be with him and remember who he is and just talk to him. Maybe you just thank him for stuff. Um, it's a great way to start. So Jesus in the midst of a busy schedule activities. So Jesus was busy. So if, if you're sort of saying, well, I don't have time for that. <laughs> it's like Jesus didn't really have time for that either. Like he was busy. He's healing suffering people, casting out devils, responding to impatient disciples, traveling from town to town, preaching in synagogue to synagogue. So Jesus is busy. There's lots of pressure on him. 
And on top, on top of that, he's got like three years to accomplish this huge task, like to, to help these guys that are following him understand who he is. Like there's, there's, in a sense, a lot of pressure, but he intentionally takes time away, away so that it's, no, it's, it's just relaxed. It's just me and Father. So he says, in the morning, long before dawn, he got up and left the house and went off to a lonely place and prayed there. For him, that was the only time where he could get to be by himself. Um, maybe, you, maybe you don't have that problem. Maybe being by yourself, is, that's fine. That's not an issue. And that, that can even be seen as a gift. Actually, I, I have time that I can just be with God alone. That can actually be a gift. Maybe, maybe for you, the idea of having time alone with God, that sounds impossible. There's just too much busyness or there's kids or there's just pressure. And, and actually, maybe that, that requires a lot of creativity and experimenting to work out how, how that could work. It says, in the lonely place, Jesus finds the courage to follow God's will and not his own, to speak God's words and not his own, to do God's work and not his own. It's in the lonely place where Jesus enters into intimacy with the Father that his ministry is born. That's Henry Nouwen. So this idea that actually Jesus just going aside and spending time with his Father was so powerful and so important to what he did. And if that was the case for Jesus, <laughs> it's so much more the case for us if we are to be people who are not hurried but at rest and walking with him. So that's the first practice, time alone with our Father. With a daily, just stopping, even just for a few minutes, and just spending time with him. So back to this passage in, in Mark, this is this idea again, things are crazy, there's a big storm going on, and Jesus is just resting. He's asleep. He's at rest. Now we've been talking in this series about this idea that God rests, or God even models how to rest. And right at the start of Genesis, God God creates the Genesis account says there's six days, there's this rhythm of morning and evening and God's creating and what's good. And on the seventh day, it says God finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. This is this idea that, that God works and then rests. And it's interesting that humans were made on the sixth day. So the first day that humans were alive was on the seventh day, which was the day to rest. It actually started with, because God, God gave them jobs to do, but they started with rest. It wasn't work really hard and then you can rest. It was rest. God's resting. These humans start in rest and then go out and work and then rest and then work. There's this rhythm. Again, we talked about how God gave um, his people when they came out of Egypt this gift of a day of rest. It says in Deuteronomy, remember you were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves. They didn't have any days off. They're making bricks all day, every day, no, no time to rest. God rescues them. It says you brought them out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. He gave them this day, the seventh day, stop and rest. Remember, you're not slaves. You're my people. And this is a day to, to rest and to delight and to enjoy God's creation and to remember who he is. It was this gift. And we talked about in the first message how this, this is fulfilled in Jesus and we find our rest in Jesus. But if our rest in Jesus, we still need to be people who can stop and rest as well. But again, this is very countercultural. The, 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 the sort of pull is to work all the time. And maybe we have a day off, but the idea is to just pack it in with maybe jobs you need to get done or, or fun things or shows to catch up on or something. And often we don't actually rest. The cycle is often of the culture, sort of Western culture, is often this anxious cycle, which is we need to work. There's stuff to do. We need to fix it. And it's this pressure to get it more done. But it's never done. So eventually we get to a point where we have to escape because we're getting overwhelmed. So then we escape and we kind of have a break, but it's more like a numbing 
escape kind of break. Where you just like go to watch one Netflix show and it turns into like five or something like that. It's like, and you don't feel rested at the end. And then we come back and we work and it's this anxious work, escape, work, escape. And it's not, uh, it's not this rhythm of work and rest. Um, this guy says the cultural cycle of drivenness and escape is a counterfeit to the more biblical rhythm of work and Sabbath. At the heart of the culture's cycle is anxiety, and anxiety drives us to do, do, and then do some more. When you're anxious, you want to control stuff. You want to fix stuff. You need to do. And the idea of stop, of stopping, that sounds dangerous. Like That sounds scary because, because the anxious just wants to keep going. But to stop is actually what we need, to stop, to rest, to remember that God's in control, to let go. So the second practice um, to, to, to use, to practice to be people at rest is to actually develop in our lives a rhythm of work and rest. That actually intentional. Again, this won't happen with, if it's not intentional. Like the natural is a cycle of anxiety and escape. But to actually intentionally develop a rhythm of work and rest. And ideally, it probably matches God's rhythm of, of six days one day of rest. And that's not like a rule. You have to do that every week. It's like that's a pretty good principle of how life works. About, about one in seven days, we need to just stop and rest. So what might that look like? It, again, looks like stopping. The word Sabbath just means to stop, um, cease. So it means that sometime in our week or sometimes in our rhythm, we need times when we say, okay, now is the time to stop. We've been working, we've been doing stuff, we've been achieving, we've been consuming, we need to stop. We need to just actually decide that, otherwise it won't happen. Maybe there needs to be some rhythm that's actually intentional. Um, for a little while, Tam and I have been doing Friday night to Saturday night. That, that, that's the time just to stop, is to rest. Um, and it looks like rest. And this doesn't mean you just have to do nothing and just sit around. Like That can be good though, just to sit for a while and just do nothing. <laughs> But it means to do things that actually lead to rest. So for me, actually going for a run, is I find it restful. Like maybe for you, it's actually going to coffee with friends. You feel restful. Um, but maybe there's some things like actually, when I think about it, just, just watching lots of movies, maybe not restful. Like maybe it will be, maybe it's not. Um, so the thing is to think, what are some things to do that are actually restful? As well as that, it's a time to delight in God's creation, in the good gifts that God gives. So maybe in, in, in relationships, in, um, in good food, um, in just to sleep in, in just being outside, wh- whatever it is, to actually spend some time just delighting and enjoying. Because often this, again, this sort of work escape is often not, there's not much delight there. It's kind of just numbing. Whereas that can actually be so powerful to just like buy a loaf of really nice bread and just like sit and eat it with butter and just be like, God, you're so good. Like, <laughs> like a sourdough and it's awesome. Like, <laughs> like, well, something, something like that, just something small and simple and just delight in it. Um, and as well with that to contemplate, which means that this, this idea of having a rhythm of rest that is actually focused on God, um, that it involves time with him, time in worship maybe, time in prayer, time just reflecting on, on who he is and what he's doing. So again, that's really short. There's like heaps of other stuff out there for what it could look like to, to, to stop and to practice rest. Um, but it's not meant to be this huge burden. Uh, it's meant to be a gift that actually helps bring about a rhythm. But it is meant to be something that we do. And when I first heard about this, 
I heard a message in Melbourne from a, from a lady and she was talking about this and it was really good. And then as the sermon kind of went on, I realized that she was actually saying, this is something we should do. Like, like we should actually take time out to stop and rest. And I was starting to think like, that sounds really hard. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can actually do that. Like, it sounds really good, but I don't know if I'm going to do it. But she was actually saying like, no, actually, this is something to, to do and, and to experiment with and to, to think, well, how am I going to make it work? And actually adopt it and actually it's in the doing that it shapes us not just saying yeah that's a great idea like it's actually the need to do it but it can be hard this is what well, one guy said sabbath requires surrender so to actually stop requires a level of surrender of letting go he said if we only stop when we are finished with all our work we will never stop because our work is never completely done there's always more work to do <laughs> whatever Job, maybe, maybe your job's finished for the day, but there's always more things to do. Or if not, it's, it's the consumption cycle. Is, there's always going to be something new on Instagram or Facebook or Netflix. Like, like, and, and that can actually, even though we might not think of that as work, that, that can actually often not be rest. And actually there's surrender to stop. And actually just say, now is the time to stop. I'm going to stop and rest. So that's the second practice, to develop a rhythm of work and rest, of of. of just whatever that is that it looks like for you. Um, and it'll be different in people in their different stages of life, um, depending on, on what your job's like, depending on your family, um, de- depending, like it'll just require experimenting and, and practicing and saying, oh, let's try this and this didn't really work and let's, I'll try this instead. And, and, but actually we'll be intentional. And like I said, we've been doing Friday night, Saturday night, and it's been really good. And, but it's not like perfect every week, but it's like, that's basically the day when we just stop and rest and relax. And it's good, hard, but, but good. So this is what we're saying. In a non-stop, fast-paced world, we need practices, actually things to do to help us stop and rest so we can slow down, live at an unhurried pace like Jesus. And that these, these are just two, like there's others, but these are two that are really powerful. Time alone with Father and a rhythm of work and rest. Um, it was last year when um, I got asked to do the interim role here and, and it just felt like getting chucked in the deep end and it's just kind of overwhelming because it's like, how am I going to do this? Like, this just, you just kind of feel sucked in and overwhelmed and, and just a bit afraid. And, and just leading up to that, Tam and I had been sort of developing a practice of rhythm of work and rest and having a day off and I'd been developing a practice of just getting up in the morning and walking and praying. And, and when that happened, I just said to myself, okay, I'm just going to make sure I keep having the day of rest and keep spending time in prayer. Those are the two things. And just hold on to those things and then it'll be okay. And it was, that, was the, that was the case. It was a busy time, a bit of overwhelming time. But it was these two things are things to just hold on to, to not get sucked down the tide, but actually be like, actually, no, I can be okay. I can just stay and rest with him. So, so you might be still thinking though, like, like that sounds great, but I don't know. It just sounds too hard, like too busy, too overwhelmed. Um, stopping makes me feel too anxious. And the truth is that like we've been talking about, rest is related to faith. And Jesus says that in this story again, where the disciples, they, they freak out because Jesus is asleep and there's this squall thing, like there's a storm and they're, they're freaking out and Jesus is sleeping and they say, what are you, what are you doing? And then the story says this, Jesus got up, he's so relaxed. He just rebuked the wind, <laughs> said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down 
and it was completely calm. Jesus just hops up, says, that's enough of that, and it's just quiet. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And he highlights the issue. Why can he sleep in a storm? Because Jesus knows who God is, and Jesus knows who he is, and it's just a storm compared to that. It's nothing. But the disciples have forgotten who God is. Have, they don't really understand who Jesus is. And as a result, they actually don't have faith. And therefore, they can't rest. That the issue with rest is, is not a time issue. It's not, I don't have time or I've got lots of stuff to do. It's a faith issue. It's actually a heart issue. And there's a few things just, as kind of, we'll finish up pretty soon, but just a few objections I want to look at that can actually, they can actually be heart issues. And the reason why this idea of resting is so powerful, because to do it can actually reveal where our hearts are really at and can actually shape our hearts. So one objection that, that someone might have is I can't stop and rest, because if I stop to rest, I'll fall apart. If I actually stop, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> And I might just fall apart. And I used to be like this. When I started work as a teacher on the, on the, uh, during the term, if I was at work, I was good. And if I got to the school holidays, I'd fall apart. I, I was okay at work. The rest of life was not good. And the reason was because this is where I was at. I am what I do. It's an identity issue. If we say, I, if I stop working, if I stop the activity, then I'm going to fall apart. There's actually an issue of identity there that could be linked to putting identity in our work if the work's not there who am I and we actually start to fall apart it could be again another objection might be if I stop to rest I won't have enough and again maybe there's there's a there can be a drive to work or to consume to to get to a certain level of stuff whatever that stuff is it might just be money it might be I need more money, so I need to keep working. Or it might be status. It might be working up the ladder. It might be getting certain grades and assignments. It might be, um, I don't know, it could be anything. Just, just needing more of something. And if I stop, I'm not going to get enough of that thing. And this could be linked to an identity, I am what I have. That, that the this, this stuff that I want is actually more than just about the money or the, or the, or the, the job or whatever it is. It's actually... If I don't have that, who am I? It's actually, I need that to be okay. And that, again, is a heart issue. Or again, it might be, if I stop to rest, people will think I'm lazy. Or what will people think of me if they know that I just am sitting around and relaxing? What will people think of me if I say no to the thing um, so I can just have a break? What will people think of me if I'm not up to date with all the shows and I'm consuming everything all the time? Like, what will people, if I just stop that, what will people think of me? And, and that can be linked to an identity issue. I am what people think of me. I am my reputation. And we actually need people to feel and think well of us to be okay. The interesting thing is, like, and I experienced this, so, so two things. Firstly, they might be the reasons we're not stopping. If, if we're saying, sort of sitting there saying, I can't do this, I can't stop, they might be the reasons. And with that as well, when we stop, and I find this when I stop, even just yesterday, Sometimes you feel anxious, and it's because actually you've been pulled into one of those things. And to stop is to actually sort of identify that and then actually release it. But it might sort of feel anxious to say, actually, what's going to happen if I, if I stop? And then, but then actually say, whoa, I'm putting my identity and trust in this, this thing. 
in work or something. And actually, no, my identity is in God, in who God is and who God says I am. It's not in what I do. It's not what I have. It's not what people think of me. It's in who he is, the fact that I'm created in his image, the fact that he's redeemed me and loved me. That's who I am. So I don't need to keep working all the time or consuming all the time or impressing people all the time. I can just be with him. And actually stopping reinforces that and shapes that and grows our heart and, and, and puts us more in that way. Because, again, the culture kind of says you are what you do, you are what you have, you are what people think of you. And we hear that message again and again and again. So to not do that is countercultural. It's actually is it to go against the grain, but it's powerful. This guy says this, Sabbath is about trust. Again, it's a link to faith. Sabbath is turning over to God all those things, our money, our work, our status, our reputations, our plans, our projects that we're otherwise tempted to hold tight in our closed fists, hold on to for dear life. You might have things that you're holding on to for dear life. And the idea of taking a break or of resting in God that's threatening your very life. <laughs> like, this is how intense this could be. Like, like, you can be the thing you're holding on to. And even more than that, Martin Luther says this, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. That if there's these things that we just can't let go of, they're actually what we're worshipping. And that this idea of stopping and rest, is, it's actually a battle of worship. It's actually about idolatry. And saying that this thing, work, relationship, whatever it is, identity, in, 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 in something besides God, and actually to stop, is actually a battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's spiritual warfare in a lot of ways, which is it's a cool idea. To stop and rest and just do nothing is a spiritual statement that says God is God. I can trust him. I can rest in him. And it's actually an act of worship to God and not the, the drivenness and, and whatever consumerism or other idols in our culture. So it's actually a battle of worship, which is interesting because then this, this story finishes where Jesus gets up, he tells the waves to be quiet, and he says, where's your faith? And then they turn and it says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? And I love this story because it's like, the disciples are freaking out because of the storm. They're like so afraid. And they say to Jesus, like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you afraid as well? And Jesus gets up and he says, just be quiet to the storm. And then the disciples get really afraid of Jesus because <laughs> they, they're like freaking out because of who he is. And, and they recognize who he is and that he's God. And he has the power over nature. He, he, the wind and the waves obey him. And they recognize that. And that's what this is a call to do, to recognize that the wind and the waves obey God, that actually we are going to trust and worship Him as God. We're going to worship Jesus as God. We're going we're to follow Him. And actually that means that we don't have to hurry. Like we can relax. We can trust Him and rest in Him. We're actually not going to worship the things that the world worships. We're going to worship and recognize who He is. So I'm going to just tell one more story and then, then, then we'll finish. There's this, this cool story in this, one of these guys' books I've been reading, Peter Scazzaro, and he talks about in America, um, in like the middle sort of Midwest, they sometimes have whiteouts, like snowstorms or blizzards, and they're intense. Like the, the, the snow is just 
the blizzard's just so strong that you literally can't see anything in, in front of you. Like you can't see your own hand um, when, you, when you hold it out in front of you. And there's stories of farmers leaving their house to like go to a barn and getting lost in their backyard because they just can't see in front of them. It's so cold. And they're, they're walking around in circles and some of them freeze to death like meters from their house because they just can't see. And it's just this crazy situation. And he says in the story that um, what people would do have to do is take a rope and tie a rope to the house. And if you go outside in the whiteout, if you have to go outside for some reason, make sure you hold on to the rope and don't let go. Because <laughs> if you do, you could get lost. So you just hold this rope um, and the rope leads back to the house. And this Peter Cesare says, for us, these two things, just time alone with our Father and a rhythm of work and rest, they're our rope in a world that actually will pull us just into just being consumed and overwhelmed and forgetting who God is. He says this, this rope, our rope, can be found in two ancient disciplines going back thousands of years, the daily prayer and Sabbath. When placed inside present-day Christianity, daily prayer and Sabbath are groundbreaking countercultural acts against Western culture. They are powerful declarations about God ourselves, our relationships, our beliefs, and our values. So to practice rest is counter-cultural declaration about who God is. It's powerful. To, to stop and spend time with Father each day is a countercultural act to declare who He is and to not get pulled into the, the cycle. Um, so the invitation is to this week, maybe think, what would it look like to to continue doing this or to start doing this or to experiment with, with prayer and rest. Um, I encourage you, maybe talk to each other at dinner. Just say, what have you done? What works for you? Like, what times work for you? Um, and, and maybe just, just think, how can actually this be something we do, not just hear about? It? It's in the doing that actually shapes us. So we're going to respond and, and, and come and take communion. And, and as we do that, we recognize that Jesus is that one the one who can stop the waves in the sea. He, he is God, not the pressure we feel each day, not, not the things that ads and other things would say. He is God. He is Lord. And actually, we're going to align our lives to him because he's king, and he's the king that would actually die for us. He's worth it. So um, I'm going to pray, and then when you're ready, um, if you believe Jesus and, and love him, you can come and take some of the biscuit that represents his very body, you can dip it in um, the, the juice representing his blood and we, we take it and we say that Jesus, we receive your life. We recognize your sacrifice for us. We ask your forgiveness and we align our lives back to you again. Um, so I'm going to pray and then, then we'll respond in that way. Jesus, we just thank you that you were faithful to the call that the Father had on your life. That you didn't give in to the crowds, um, into the distractions, into all the pressures that would have came from so many different places. Jesus, you were just faithful to what the Father was saying, his call. And in doing so, you went to the cross and achieved salvation for all who believe. Um, and we just thank you for that. And just ask that you'd meet with us now as we just remember. Um, would you shape us by your life to be like you? Um, to live unhurried so that we can love better, so we can trust you, um, so we can be aware of your presence and your leading and your call, uh, so we can just be available for whatever you want. 
Um, would you make us, Father, a community of people who are at rest um, in, a, in a fast-paced, restless world? Would we just be a shining light uh, in our workplaces, in our families, in our schools, wherever we are? So would you meet with us now by your Spirit and just, just show us and guide us what it is you want us to do, what it is you want us to change, and just lead us, we pray. In your name, amen.